in search of the greatest teams in business who are creating meaningful customer experiences. This is Heart of Business with Anthony Canada and L.B. Harvey. Welcome to Heart of Business. I'm Anthony Canada. And I'm L.B. Harvey. And L.B., this is our first podcast of 2021, which is really, really exciting. But perhaps on a less exciting note, you know, 2021 isn't off to the year that I think all of us hoped that it would be. It started off with Slack crashing, or at least going down on the first day of work. Not a great start, but perhaps an omen for the events to come from the week. I think they didn't want to give up the holidays. They didn't want to give it up. And obviously the events that happened at the U.S. Capitol this past week were absolutely horrifying for all of us. As Americans who are listening to this, if you're listening from other countries, you know, I think the attention of the whole world was on the horrific events that we all experienced. We know this is not the country that we want to be. We know that we need to be much, much better. So I'm hoping that as we look forward from here, we can all come together and find a way to build moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I think 2021 was not off to the magical transformative start that I certainly was hoping for. And I think uh, many joined me in that. I still do fall into the optimist category here, though. I have probably pushed out my timeline for when some semblance of normalcy and routine will will resume from spring to you know summer or, or even early fall. Um, but I'm still bullish and optimistic that sometime in 2021, things will start really looking up and very realistic that we've got some uh, hurdles to still cross for the next quarter or so. Really, really well said, LB. And on that note, new year, new segment. I'm super excited to kick off 2021 with a segment that we'll bring back pretty often called Deep Dive. This is a, a moment to focus in on the bigger picture of the business world, a place that we can discuss best practices. We can talk about business and leadership theory and really try to apply those principles practically. So without any further ado, this is Deep Dive. So I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Uh, and I got to ask you, I'll be, are you a New Year's resolution person? <laughs> I am actually a big New Year's resolution person. And the reason I laugh is my husband is not. <laughs> and so it, around December 30th, it becomes like a thing in our household. And I antagonize him by leading up to New Year's Eve, talking about him thinking about his New Year's resolutions. I tried to rebrand it this year to commitments we should consider for the new year. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. That's awesome. Well, I am too. I think in general, it's a good way to kind of set back and reflect on the past year and then kind of figure out how can we intentionally move forward. But you know, the data shows that when folks actually are partaking in these New Year's resolutions, oftentimes, most often, they end up failing, which is very sad. But I wanted to break down some of the reasons why people fail ultimately at their news resolutions. First is that they're typically super high energy, high effort types of resolutions, big lifestyle changes, whether it's you know in terms of fitness or financial goals or career goals. Sometimes folks kind of bite off more than they can chew, which leads to some kind of intimidation, I think, as they're kind of working towards those goals. A lot of times they don't have small achievable goals built into the broader resolution. Oftentimes there's no plan to accomplish this gradually. We want to set a, let's say a weight loss goal and achieve it in the first month of the year versus like thinking about taking smaller bites at, at the apple. Sometimes it's the resolution itself is, is not the right resolution. It's not what you actually want. So imagine a world where you resolve to get a new job 
when really what you want uh, is to be more fulfilled in your current job. Or actually, when you want to work out every day, what you really want to do is be healthier. And yet we're setting these big, big traps for ourselves. There's also the risk of not tracking progress, which is something that is meant to be kind of a leading indicator, right? Of being excited about making progress towards that bigger goal. But we don't take the time to do that. And sometimes, you know, we don't take time to reflect on the last year. So we don't bring a lot of the learnings from the previous year into the new one. So these are some of the reasons that these resolutions fail. But I know, LB, as we were talking offline, you were talking about some core principles that you have for New Year's resolutions as well. Do you, do you want to touch a little bit on that? Yeah. So I think there are three keys to how I think about New Year's resolutions. And I do happen to think that there's a lot of application to just general goal setting in life and and goal setting in business, regardless of you know sort of the concept of New Year's resolutions. One is I always prioritize my goals. So the the times I've failed within my resolutions, it's because I've taken on like five to seven things. And inevitably Mm. I actually end up achieving the two that I care most about. And so I've started to prioritize and really only take on one, two, max three resolutions. And I found that to be helpful. The second piece is I only take on things that I actually have the heart and will and discipline to accomplish. So for instance, I would never take on a resolution around like giving up wine because at the end of the day, I just don't like, I don't have the fortitude to actually do that. And so I make sure going into kind of gut check, like, do I care enough to actually, do I care enough and do I have the discipline to actually, you know, get this resolution over the line? And then the third thing is I make sure that the tactics to actually achieve the goal are doable and manageable. So for instance, one of my goals uh, or resolutions, one of two goals uh, this year is I want to improve my flexibility. I'm like, I'm realizing I'm getting stiff um, as I as I age. And so what I've decided to do is stretch for five minutes, five days a week, which feels really manageable. Like I can find five minutes to do that. And so that's sort of my formula. It's, it's prioritization. Make sure your heart's really in it. Um, and you really think it's like, it's important and worthy enough to have the discipline to, to do, and then make sure that the individual little smaller tactics and goals are realistic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is, and you hit on this earlier, there's a lot of application here from what we, the goals that we set in our personal lives to how we do planning, whether it's kind of planning for the entire 2021, or as we think about kind of tackling Q1 here, companies often struggle with setting and achieving their goals in the same way that we often do in our personalized New Year's resolutions. So what can companies learn from New Year's resolutions using some of these principles that I think we've talked about here? First, you know, in general is asking yourself, do you have the right goals? Have you looked at the data from historical context and really kind of arrived at the right conclusions? Uh, have you done any internal benchmarking to understand how have we grown this one particular channel or in this one segment in prior years? What has the market said? Maybe asking kind of some peer companies or folks in your network to get a sense of how they've developed the business. And finally, getting feedback from from the team itself. And so obviously working cross-functionally within the other leaders within the organization to figure out uh, that you're setting the right goals. Second, how will you measure success and progress? I think, you know, LB, this one rings close to us. How many metrics are we going to measure here against any one of these goals? Are we going to measure crazy long kind of, you know, dashboard with like several double clicks? Or can we really unite the business around three, five, or a handful, maybe less metrics that can really help us 
know that we're on the right track against achieving that goal. And then finally, what criteria are we going to use to really set them or at least pivot throughout the year, knowing that you know, startup companies like Front, a lot can change in a year. There's a lot of different kind of curveballs. 2020 threw us some big curveballs. How can we really make sure that whether it's uh, developing like a racy metaphor really helps us understand like who within the team is responsible or, or is the approver or contributor to the project, We're really finding ways to ensure that we can be flexible while still having a true north that we're marching towards as a business. LB, uh, we just went through planning at, yeah. at Front. So a lot of this is ringing close to home. Any of this uh, sound right from your perspective? 100%. And I, I would say this is so um, timely because I think a lot of companies are going through or finalizing planning right now um, and certainly mm-hmm. probably doing some retros on what key learnings they want to take into even next year's 21 to 22 planning. Mm-hmm. I think that because so many, especially tech companies, are so collaborative and, you know, really want to hear like all great ideas. There's a lot of positives that come from that. The downfall can be that you end up with a list of company priorities that looks like a huge laundry list or huge grocery list of things to do. And I am a big, big believer of having those discussions, having that debate, but at the end of the day, planning on two to three big things that you want to move the needle on as a business and having the discipline to have focus, Mm. even if that means that some people's babies don't make the list. Mm. And then uh, very much also a fan of not having exhaustive lists of OKRs or key metrics you're, you're, you're measuring. I think it's just the biggest danger in, in company goals and, and really aligning on those is that you know everything just gets kind of washed out and not clear. I love having a very tight set of rocks or priorities with one to two key metrics you're looking to move the needle on. No one wants to look at a 47 OKR spreadsheet with like red, yellow, green, and it gets hard to understand like, so are we doing well or not doing well? Things should be clear and crisp and everyone at the company should be able to rattle off the two to three things you're looking to do. Totally, I completely agree with that. All right, it's time for our heartbeat segment. Welcome to Heartbeats. So for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Heartbeats is our recurring segment that shines a spotlight on some of the good news coming out of the business world. As we discussed earlier in this episode, 2021 has already been a bit of a tough year, off to a rocky start. We want to take the opportunity to shine a light on some of the good news stories, those businesses that are innovating, pivoting, and serving their customers in new in very cool and creative ways. So each episode, we bring you a few of our favorite good news stories that we've heard about recently. AK, what's on tap today? All right. There's a really interesting story about a company, I believe out of Australia, called Kui. Kui is a website that connects would-be travelers with tour guides in some pretty awesome destinations like Cambodia, Croatia, Nepal, Peru. And it was effectively launched by a small tour company pretty early on in the pandemic. And what was really interesting is the founder felt that they had a lot of deep empathy for these tour operators or tour guides in some of these markets um, who obviously have been impacted tremendously by the pandemic and the stop to travel, You know, much of this being how they earn their living. And then thinking about the opportunity with folks on the other side who are now stuck at home, aren't able to travel, and maybe haven't had a chance, even in a world without a pandemic, to go visit the most remote places of the earth and see some of these great kind of experiences. So. 
Thinking on their feet, the gentleman's name is Steve Wilson. He came up with a platform that basically allows folks to employ these local tour operators over Zoom and go do a Zoom hike through the Inca Trail, a Zoom climb in Nepal or in Cambodia. So pretty amazing because it's a chance, again, for us to see some awesome sites, but not just in like a YouTube video, but engage with a local person that lives there and that knows the place very well, but also be able to help support them in their, their career and their profession during a time when they need it the most. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really unique and creative idea. And I was just thinking about like, what would I be interested in in doing one of these Zoom tours? And I think I would, especially right now when none of us are really able to to travel. That's been such a big part of my life pre-pandemic that I think it sounds like a really cool thing to try for a couple of hours on a, a Saturday or Sunday, maybe get some friends together and uh, and enjoy. And then certainly not everyone has the ability or desire to to travel. And so this is kind of a cool way for folks who may not be excited about getting on planes all the time to be able to experience some beautiful scenery, unique cultures around the globe. Totally. I, uh, and, and just kind of reading up and getting ready for this episode, I think I'll be checking Kui out over the weekend. So pretty excited about it, but let's get into our interview. We're talking about travel here. And we've talked actually a lot on the show about how excited we are to travel again when for us, it's safe to, to do so. But when we've been talking about Inca Trail and Cambodia or these different places we want to travel to, we're largely talking about uh, vacations or kind of personal travel that we've sorely missed. But there's a big part of the travel sector we haven't really talked about, and that's business travel, corporate travel. And it's been a space that obviously has been tremendously impacted as well by, by the pandemic. In today's episode, we have a conversation with Megan Eisenberg. She's a good friend of mine, CMO of Trip Actions. Uh, who's going to talk about the efforts that they took in 2020 to continue serving their customers when corporate travel grinded to an absolute halt. Their customers, of course, being both companies that are that have the employees that have been traveling. Often they have a bunch of you know, travel credits or, or a lot of kind of fees that have or, travel that's already been booked and needing to kind of reconcile those, as well as the folks on the other end of it, where they're travel planning companies that represent these organizations. So really interested about it. I'm curious, LB, before we dive in, what's your take on the business travel world kind of as we kind of get back to it? Honestly, in your role, especially, you know, getting out and seeing customers, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to a place where uh, it's completely like always get on the flight. And yet, I don't know that we'll be able to close, you know, six, seven figure deals completely over Zoom. So I'm curious kind of how you think about it. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's, it's funny. I was talking to a friend over the weekend just around what will downtowns look like and, you know, what what will be mm. the the pulse of, of in-office versus full remote versus hybrid, et cetera. And I think this kind of falls into a similarly interesting category. I will admit personally, I found myself uh, last month missing the Dublin airport. And I never thought I, I would see the day. I wouldn't say that the Dublin airport is like the the prominent feature of Dublin and Ireland. Um, so it's really saying something <laughs> that I was like literally missing standing in a customs line there. I'm of two minds of the current state. I am really enjoying the fact that I feel like I'm able to like work out more, spend more time with my friends and family. I'm not on the the road going out and visiting customers or, or internal teams. And yet I also really miss that connection. And I miss that energy that you get from going and spending time live with yeah. your teams in other locations. So I do think that business travel won't ever quite look the same. I think that with really the transformation of the ability to do video conference. So 
where you no longer just had the option of a phone call or a live meeting, but you can actually do great product demos and have that like face-to-face connection with video technology. I think that already started the trend of a lot of sales teams doing more inside and certainly visiting customers less frequently, if at all. Um, and I think that this will be like yet another nudge in that direction because, hey, if, if, if someone can successfully form a great relationship with a customer uh, via video and doesn't need to you know, fly to Atlanta from San Francisco, that obviously saves the company a lot of money, saves yeah. the rep a lot of time. And, and frankly, some customers have said that they prefer that, right? It's faster for them as well. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever stop going out and, and meeting people live. Um, I just don't believe that that's ever going to be the reality. And um, certainly I think as leaders, it's going to be important for us to get back on the road and go and experience our teams and the cultures and and visit local customers again. And I'm personally already planning my first trip to Paris, hopefully this summer to go out and visit um, our our team out there. So I think it'll come back online, but at like maybe, you know, call it somewhere between 60 to 80% rate of what was happening pre-pandemic. Yeah, I'm like you. I have two thoughts in my head that are sometimes like diametrically opposed on this one. It's like I love being at home and I love I do think the video has given us the ability to really like connect with folks in a much more uh, acceptable way that I think video had delivered in the past. So we've culturally moved on. There's something about that, like SPG hotel room sometimes There's something about I don't know, the feel of, of landing in a new city and, and going to the customer site. So I, I can't, I don't know where I stand on it yet, but I'm excited to see kind of where the, how we all kind of evolve kind of moving forward. So let's get into it. Here's my interview with Megan Eisenberg, CMO of Trip Actions. All right, Megan, thank you so much for, for joining the show and for uh, sharing the Trip Action story. Appreciate being a part of it. Thank you for having me. All right. It's time for uh, our, our first segment that we want to kick off called Weird Question of the Week. The question is this. When the world opens up again, we're traveling, we're back unencumbered. What's the first place that you're going to travel to, whether that's for personal reasons or for work? Yeah, so I have to admit, I've been traveling. Uh, I took the kids to the East Coast to Cape Cod for a week. Awesome. Um, but if it's work-related, um, probably the first place I'll end up going is New York uh, to our, to visit our New York office. I miss New York quite a bit. And so I think that's... I do too. <laughs> I miss the energy. I miss being a part of it. Awesome. Well, obviously... It, it makes sense you're traveling. You work at an incredible travel-oriented company. And so I'm curious, just for folks that you know, may not have heard about Trip Actions, tell us a little bit about the business and kind of specifically kind of your role and how, how you see kind of the future uh, for the company. Yeah, so we're a full travel and expense management platform. So we help um, corporations around the world uh, like Zoom and Twilio and others uh, travel. And um, definitely been, you know, I joined as their CMO a year and a half ago. Certainly it was pre-COVID and lots of just business travel going on. We've since expanded our portfolio products into uh, payments and expense management uh, because most of T&E is on the travel side, but there's 30% of your spend that's non-travel related. So we've been building product for our customers in that that area. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting space to be in. We were on the forefront of watching what was happening with COVID come, you know, as it spread around the world and the impact to our customers and businesses. And I'm so excited to get your perspective on this, because I think it was a really, you had a probably unique vantage point to what was coming. 
But going back to when you joined last June, the company raised $250 million of funding. And it was a rumor to think it was around $4 billion valuation. Won't ask for, for comment, but it's quickly become one of the standout startups in Silicon Valley. And you had been at the company now for about four or five months, then going back to February. What was it like coming into the new role, leaving I think Mongo before this, right? And then coming over to Trip Actions, the, the wind behind the back with the funding and everything. How did you kind of think about the opportunity kind of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we were scaling really fast. We added a thousand people last year. I had uh, 10 people on the marketing team and grew it to 60, just shy of 60 by the end of the fiscal year. And so I hired um, about 20 people in six weeks. Uh, I needed to go very fast. Um, sales needed air cover and support. We needed to do a lot of work just with the product team with from a product marketing standpoint and demand gen. And just, you know, I had to quickly hire the leaders, then hire the teams at, while hiring the leaders. And we put a lot of technology in place. We have 40 different MarTech in place now that we didn't have at the beginning of that year and then put a lot of different processes in place to help the business scale. I imagine as obviously you're hiring all these people, building the processes, a global pandemic is nowhere near your radar as, as to no, something, something coming up. <laughs> but, but take me through. So then, you know, what was it? Probably December, January, at least for the rest of us, you know, we're starting to see that, look, this, this may not be your average kind of public health emergency that's, that's happening. Do you remember kind of where you were when the team started realizing, gosh, there might be something bigger here around the corner? Yeah. So, I mean, I have two very strong memories. One, I was visiting our Sydney office. It was in January and I was getting ready to fly back. And my dad started texting me, what are you doing in Sydney? You need to get out of there. There's this really horrible flu disease. You know, I'm nervous. Come home. And I was like, what are you talking about? I just hadn't, it hadn't crossed my radar yet, really. And then he's like, it's in China. And I was like, okay, do you know how far away I am? Like, I think I'm okay. I'm flying back that day. I think everything will be fine. So that was sort of my first memory. My dad, like sounding the alarm. And I just thought he was being an alarmist. And then maybe a month later, it was a Friday and the CEO called the head of product, head of operations, myself, head of sales, all of us into a, a meeting and just said, things are sh shutting down. We need to get people home. This is serious. Um, I, we need to build a lot of product. Well, this is what we're hearing from customers. We're building it over the weekend. I need you to enable our customer success reps Monday and the field to talk to it, to support our customers. And what that was is we'd given them visibility where all their travelers were. So they had a traveler map and they had the ability to know who was there and communicate to them and they could see who was about to travel. But um, what they didn't have was the way to restrict people from booking future travel or restricting certain countries. And at the time it was mostly Asia, then it moved to certain countries in Europe and then most of Europe and then you know the whole world. So we were building out functionality that they could restrict bookings. It started out by continents, then it became by countries and then states and then routes. And so that was being built out. And then we hooked into the CDC, uh, an API to direct feed in from John Hopkins, the reproduction numbers of the virus. Because the other thing was you have some travelers that need to travel, essential travels, but you all the rules were changing. Country rules were different. Quarantines were different. So how did we give that information in real time in our booking tool to the travel managers as well as the travelers? So they built that out over the weekend as well. And we needed to take it to market and educate everyone on it. Uh, so it was definitely, it was a world, I mean, it was just crazy 15 hours nonstop day after day 
taking, you know, getting everything ready. And then our customers just kept bringing us back feedback. Uh, if you think about it, all these flights got canceled, tens of millions of dollars in flight credits. And we had the ability to track flights, but they wanted certain reports, CFOs needed to know the financial impact. And so because we're one platform, we were able to pull all the reporting for CFOs. And then they wanted to know, well, we need to automatically apply it. We don't, we don't want to lose all these credits. So we built it in the tool. Next time someone books, it automatically ac- applies the credit so they can start using them as they slowly get back to traveling. There's just a lot of work around figuring out what was needed. That's incredible. But the fact that all that was built basically over a weekend. The waiver were, and the credits were later as you know, as problems arise for our customers, we were like, oh, we need to build this. And so it would be, you know, within a week of hearing what they needed, the engineering team was, you know, just working all nighters, building it out for them. That's amazing. Um, and I want to come back to the community here in a second, because obviously that it, it's awesome that a lot of that inspiration, a lot of the ideas, ideation and requirements kind of came from them. But obviously beyond that weekend, there was a moment where, all right, now, you know, we need to keep this intensity going and figure out how we're going to move forward and fast forward a little bit. Um, I just watched uh, the keynote from your virtual conference traverse and congratulations on, on that. Thank you. As I understood it, there were kind of three big focus areas kind of moving forward, at least as, as it came across in the keynote, employee productivity as one of those angles, budget and spend control, which you talked about, I think a little bit here and then safety in general or safety for employees. Uh, how, how did you guys land on on those as the key priorities to to focus on? Yeah, I mean, it became very clear. We have a customer advisory board that we we meet with traditionally every month, once a month, and we were meeting with them daily. And it was amazing. Every day, twenty one of them would show up, and give us thirty minutes to an hour of their time, and provide feedback. So certainly, it started with our cab, and then our customer success managers were aggregating feedback and bringing that back to the product team. And to our CEO, our CEO is heavily involved in collecting feedback. Um, and we started to proactively reach out to CFOs to understand what they needed. We set up office hours and invited our CFO came and other CFOs of our customers and prospects started coming in and, and bringing up questions and things that we needed to answer. The other thing is the tone in the market changed overall. If you think about it, we were the best experience in business travel was sort of our tagline. Right. And we we're all about the user and this amazing experience, but no one was having a good experience. The tone was somber. Uh, they, they certainly didn't want to hear about the best of anything. And so it became clear what they cared about was cost control because we were entering a recession and, and a depression. Uh, they cared about safety. They need to get their, empl- their travelers home. They wanted to protect them and not send them out on the road without having the right information. And then you know, as you you secure the fort with your security around your employees, you need to control costs because your business needs to last through what's going on. But then to last through what's going on, you need to have employees that can sell and be productive and carry on with their work. And so these are certainly themes across all businesses. How do we recover, do a business recovery in this environment? You know, studies by Oxford for every dollar spent on travel, it's about $12 in revenue. And so now these revenue channels, you used to meet people at events, you would have dinners, you'd build relationships. How do you replicate that online? And, and, you know, deal cycles across businesses started to slow down, pipelines slowed down as people adjusted to working from home, homeschooling, and all those other things. So we realized people needed, you know, to find a way to be, you know, they cared about the productivity of their employees, which I also think is rewarded in in the market right now with tech, you know, enabling people to be remote uh, and have the information and be online. Yeah, totally. 
we've spoken about this. You you were very generous with your time, actually, right at the heart of a lot of this uh, this crisis, and joined a uh, CMO office hours uh, call that we did. Thank you for for being a part of that. Sure. And you you were talking then uh, about the community of business travel professionals. You mentioned them now. How how have you continued to you know serve and support your customers when their businesses aren't traveling? I, you know, you've hit on some of it from the from the feature functionality perspective, which I think is super interesting. But overall, just from like the the marketing perspective, how 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 has the brand kind of shown up as one that wants to help them get through this, even in a case where maybe their own job security, in some cases at least, might be threatened? Yeah, I mean, it became very important to become a trusted resource and to build a lot of content that mattered for them right now. And so we did stand up a community, uh, community.tripactions.com, where we, um, we we stood up in two or three days. We, we found technology that we could um, get enabled and started asking questions, releasing content. We invited our customers to ask questions, things about travel restrictions, waivers. We invited our partners and suppliers of hotels and airlines to put information on there. And uh, quickly, anyone could come and and ask questions about COVID, about business recovery and different topics. So that was one thing that we we quickly stood up. And that was my CEO's idea. He's like, we need to get a community up. There's all these questions. And so we acted on that really quickly. And then the second thing um, that we did is we built out an academy like a university, a Trip Actions Academy. What we know is in recessions and depressions, and if people are getting laid off and that they need to go redefine themselves, they need to learn, they need to grow, they need to come out and be a lot more competitive in the marketplace. And they go back to school, they go back to community colleges. And we thought it was really important, especially now that people were working from home. A lot of people are reading materials, but could we provide very good content that educated them in the space gave them certifications, gave them a a competitive edge. And so we built it for our customers and for prospects, for travel managers and finance executives. Uh, And we released that. It took us about a month to get the first two courses released. And then we did two courses a week. Uh, And we're 25, 26 courses right now. And over, you know, I think we've had 10,000 courses taken or something. There's a pretty good milestone that's coming up. But yeah, I think... In these times, the best thing you can do is become a trusted resource, create content that people need, and they will associate that to your brand. And, you know, important part of brand is, your, is do they trust you and do they trust your brand? So at this time, we felt that was the, the appropriate thing to put in the market. That was the tone, tone appropriate thing. That's awesome and, and super inspiring too. I think the idea of thinking about the people and the humanity behind the, our, our customers. I mean, we so often get lost, I suppose, as marketers and think about logos and you know logo retention, these types of things. You forget that there's people whose jobs are on the line to, uh, to deliver for the company. So on that same tone, what was the response? Like, What was the, the response from customers themselves personally, perhaps, as they were engaging with or the, the certification kind of platforms or engaging the community and maybe for, you know, and also the businesses professionally, like how are they able to send, kind of get value and then hopefully ride out the, the unknown or at least be able to come out stronger on the other side? Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the things businesses think about with their employees is duty of care, which is making sure one, they know where employees are and they're, they they're protecting them and and giving them the right information. But the other thing in this environment is that they construct the right policies to protect travelers. And there are companies traveling. It depends on the space that you're in, less so in tech. But if you're in retail, you're traveling and visiting your stores. 
Um, you're making sure, you know, some of them went through riots and different things like that, and they had to go visit the stores. If you're in manufacturing or doing hardware, you're out there servicing the field, enterprise sales CEOs, there's definitely still travel. Healthcare is still traveling. And so what we found is the ones that were still traveling, definitely their response was they were thankful to have the information, the insight, the ability to provide some security and information to their employees. Um, So that was one. On the finance side, they definitely love the ability that they could run all the reporting and they had better visibility, not only where their employees were, but on spend and credits with the airlines and different things like that. So, I mean, definitely the customers embraced it and, you know, the response is very positive um, and that they felt like we were still innovating through this time, that we were bringing them information that was relevant, um, staying top of mind in a time where most people were not really thinking about business travel as much as how do they move, you know, the business forward. Um, So we definitely saw a good response. We saw a ton of people on our community still do have a lot of people and then just still have a lot of people going through the courses and academies and still have momentum uh, in the business. I'm curious for for the team at TripActions to work so hard, have that intensity to deliver and ship this content and ship the value to, to customers and then to hear it back from them that, hey, like that, that really helped me you know, through a hard time or that you really helped us kind of solve, solve a, a problem here. You know, this has been a chaotic year for everyone, but how has the team seen the impact of, the, of their work on the customer outcome? And what has that done in terms of morale or just overall being able to, to navigate the chaos that, that is 2020? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that we did that I would say were, um, they're in the surprise and delight category and the we're humans category. Um, One that I loved is we decided to send our customers, our travel managers, a um, picnic basket project. We called it Project Sunshine Inside. And we put a little note in there that just said, whether it's your balcony, your living room, the backyard or a park, get outside, get some, you know, vitamin D, get some sunshine. And um, we just wanted to do something that would, you know, remind them and get them outside and just put a little bit of happiness. And the emails we got back were amazing. And so we would, we would share those with all of marketing, the customer, you know, they came back to the customer success managers and they would share with us and we would share with marketing. One woman got engaged with her picnic basket. And so there's just some fun stories that came out of that, um, that I think were very uplifting. You, you know, we, we did pass the plane, um, that had over 12 million, you know, viewers and reach. So that was a lot of just, you know, virtually folding the airplane and then not virtually like in person, you know, I was building them with my kids and throwing them in the backyard and sending it to family, to friends, to customers. We had um, flight attendants that got involved. We had people in Germany and Spain videoing these airplanes and throwing to each other. And that was something that, um, you know, it was sort of a, it's still sort of a, a sad time in many ways, but it was a way to reach out. And that I think brought a little happiness to the team but, you know, knowing that you're working on something that people need, I think is fulfilling. But you're right. It's been a tough seven, eight months. It's a depressed industry. There's a lot of furloughs and layoffs in it. You, you see news all the time on the trouble with airlines and um, hotels. And, you know, people are, we reinvent, we figure out ways in new environments. Um, but I think as leaders, we have to um, 
keep everyone's spirits up. I definitely, you know, a lot of stand-up meetings, a lot of checking in with everyone, a lot of Zoom walks, just 15 minutes, grab your phone, join the Zoom and walk with your kids, with your dog, whether it's around your house, the backyard, around the block or to a park, you know, keep socially distant. But we we have a, a weekly Zoom walk and it, we don't talk about work. It's just like, what are you up to? Where are you at? Oh, where are you walking now? You know, and it's another thing. I think you need to get people outside. They need, and it was, it's been pretty beautiful weather, at least here in California, like get out fresh air, sunshine. Um, so I think all of that helps. That's amazing. From the outside perspective, it did as, as I think of, uh, back to the keynote at Traverse where you guys just announced, uh, passing a big milestone. I think it was $3.1 billion of travel budget now under management. So congrats for sure on that. Thank you. I think just the, you know, to close this out for, for this section, what has changed, if anything, from your mission as a company, given what, what TripActions experienced, you know, what the industry has experienced in, in 2020? Ariel and Elon have always had this very big vision of taking on travel, TMC expense payments with the liquid card in, in February and then overall expense management, which we recently launched. This accelerated that. Mm. which is, I think, inter- an interesting environment just by nature of expenses are still happening on the 30% of T&E that's not travel related and, and listening to what people need and customers need. You know, work from home, you still, you may be expensing office equipment, software, um, lunches, you know, whatever that looks like in, in the world of, of remote. Um, and so it definitely took that vision that we thought would be in the next two years and, and brought it in. And, but it's also been refreshing because we've had something we're very focused on. You know, I think part of leading is good, strong objectives and getting people through it. And it also helps you just get through this environment when you're, you're working hard, you've got your eye on, on what the, you think the future or the vision should be for the company and everyone rallies around it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been one of my most challenging years as a leader, but there's been some rewarding stuff in there too. Awesome. Well, hey, it's, just as a peer in the marketing community, at least, I, I, I'm in, so inspired by what you guys have done. And it's been such an amazing story. So thank you for, for sharing it. Before we break, I have one last segment. I'd love for, uh, to, for us to get to know you better in our speed round. So here, here are the rules. You have five seconds or less to answer each of the questions. So whatever pops in your mind, okay, just hit us, hit us with it. All right, ready? The best book you've read recently? The Hard Thing About Hard Things, Ben Horowitz. Good one. Uh, your favorite podcast other than this one, of course? Ah, Open for Business, of course. Trip Actions Podcast. <laughs> awesome. Uh, working from home or working from the office? Office. I've been in the office for the whole time almost. Awesome. I am too, actually, here in the office. Um, favorite purchase you made uh, during quarantine? Uh, I would have to say outdoor lights, like lanterns and those lights that you string up that, you know, the big ball, you can get them at like Costco or something that just make it, you know, uh, fun to be outside. I don't know. I, I'm into like environment, peaceful, calm environment. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. And then finally, what's one brand out there that you admire the most? I've got to say DocuSign. You know, I worked there two companies ago, but I'm just so impressed by what they're doing. They're definitely a COVID stock. That's something all of us need um, that make life and business easier. Uh, And I think they've done a good job. Amazing. Awesome, Megan. Thank you so much for being a part of this and best of luck uh, as we kind of turn the quarter here and hope for better days uh, to come. 
Thank you. You're listening to Heart of Business. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Now back to the show. Awesome. I want to thank Megan again for for sharing the trip action story with us. It's it's obviously one that's been super inspiring. But LB, it's time for your last word. What do you think? I thought this was an incredible story. So just taking a step back, before the pandemic, Trip Action's promise was to deliver the best experience in business travel. And obviously, with the pandemic hitting, all of that got upended. And Trip Actions had to quickly refigure out their promise and the value they were going to deliver to customers. I could not believe that they got their customers to meet with them daily. That is so incredible and just speaks to the brand they must have built um, way before all of this happened. And it ended up being a real key to their success, right? The fact that they were able to take cues from their customer advisory board seemed to be um, really at the heart of helping solve this problem. So from plugging into the CDC and John Hopkins uh, data sources to give customers real-time and incredible information on the risks associated to travel with pivoting their product roadmap to focus on broader expense management, I thought that was just an incredible story of being able to very quickly realign your brand promise and the value you are delivering to customers in lieu of the current situation. So huge props to Trip Actions. Totally. Huge, huge props. And that's all we have for this week's episode. So please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, honestly, wherever you listen to your podcasts, if you enjoyed the show. And please leave us a rating and review as well. Uh, We'd really, really appreciate that. You can follow the Heart of Business podcast, as well as other great stories of how teams and customers are working together to make missions possible by subscribing to FrontPage, the editorial site that we've recently launched for founders, executives, and customer-facing teams. Follow us on Twitter, at FrontApp, or by going to frontapp.com backslash blog. See you next time. Heart of Business is a FrontPage production. Brought to you by Front, the leader in customer communication. FrontPage is the trusted resource for leaders who believe in the impact of meaningful connections with customers. You can find more inspiring stories at frontapp.com slash blog or on Twitter at FrontApp. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode of Heart of Business.